That was the first prayer that God ever answered. See, he had removed that veil. It was amazing. The things that I could start to see and understand from reading the Word of God. You know, it's an amazing thing of what we can find in this book if we just want to know the truth. I do want to share my testimony with you and then a message the Lord's laid on my heart. You know, growing up in a religious Jewish home, you don't have a lot of opportunities to meet people that aren't Jewish. Uh, the public school, I'm the youngest of four children. My sisters and brother and I went to was about 80% Jewish. So the first time I'd ever met somebody that I knew wasn't Jewish was in the third grade and his name was David. The only reason I knew David wasn't Jewish is because he told me he was a Christian. Uh, he tried to invite me to go to church with him, but being brought up in a religious Jewish home, I wasn't allowed to go to church. But he kept praying for me and kept trying to witness to me and invite me to church. And, and I can't tell you how many times I told him that if Jesus Christ was truly the Messiah, if he'd come down and tap me on the shoulder and tell me he was, well, then I'd believe it. Well, the only problem is that he did that over 2,000 years ago. And the majority of the people didn't believe then, probably for the same reason I didn't. See, I just had no desire to know the truth. And it doesn't matter what religious background you come from, what economic, social come from. If you don't want to know the truth, all people could do is pray for you, invite you to church, and look for opportunities through the leading of the Holy Spirit to share the Word of God. Now, uh, my oldest sister is eight and a half years older than me. Uh, she missed two questions on her SAT. She got a full scholarship to Cornell University. She was second on the dean's list, went on to law school. She was first on the dean's list. My brother's two years younger. He got a full scholarship to Northwestern University as a chemical engineer, and he was fifth on the dean's list. So it didn't take me very long growing up to realize it was pointless trying to compete with them academically. So I got involved in sports. Uh, by the time I was in ninth grade, I, was kick, I could kick a soccer ball 50 yards. I could kick an American football 30 to 40 yards. And the varsity coach told me the first year of high school I'd be on the varsity team. Now, the summer before that, I was working at a Jewish camp over the summer, and my parents are talking to me and trying to tell me they plan on moving that summer, and I tried to convince them what a bad idea that would be. And, of course, they moved anyway. Well, the area they had moved to that had been redistricting in the high school that they didn't know about, so the high school I was going to have to attend, their academics were extremely low, and the only way I could go to the better high school was to get a special academic permit but one of the conditions of that permit was you're not allowed to play sports because they didn't want people changing high schools just so they could play on a better team. And I would have played on a much better team. Uh, Jeff Fisher was a year ahead of me in high school who was the youngest coach in the NFL of the Titans and then the Rams. Now, the only way you could get a regular permit was every year they would take 20 names out of a bowl and give them a regular permit. So two years in a row... I tried to get a regular permit, but let me tell you that the lottery didn't work then, and it doesn't work now. I didn't get a permit. It was my second semester of 11th grade. I did not like high school. I took my GED. I graduated early. I went straight to college. But after spending a year in college, I realized that, that there was something missing in my life. There was this huge void. And I had no clue what would fill that void. I just knew I needed to try something different. So I did. I enlisted in the U.S. Army for three years. Well, let me tell you, that didn't fill that void. 
My enlistment was up. I moved back home with my parents. I'd work full-time during the day. I'd go to college at night. And every six months to a year, I would change jobs. I'd change majors. I'd change universities, figuring if I kept doing that, eventually I was going to find that thing that was going to fill that void. Well, it's August of 1983. And I'm miserable. I've tried everything the world had to offer, good, bad, ugly. I tried all of it, but nothing filled that void. Well, here's my friend David for over 13 years trying to get me to go to church with him. And I figure I'll go with him once. I'll tell him I don't like it and he'll finally leave me alone. There was just one huge problem. For me, as a religious Jew, to get up on a Sunday morning and put a suit and tie on, well, let me tell you, the huge red flares, that's going to shoot up for my parents because in Judaism... You celebrate the Lord's Day called Shabbat from Friday night at sundown till Saturday night at sundown. And I know most of you might not know this, but back then in those olden days, it was against the law to work on Sunday. So I'm trying to figure out a way around it. And it finally dawned on me, if I just spent Saturday night at my friend David's house, then my parents aren't going to know where I'm at Sunday morning. Just keep in mind, I'm 23 years old. And I started going with David to Faith Baptist Church in Canoga Park, California, and I started hearing things I had never heard before. But please don't be mistaken, it wasn't that David never tried to tell me. The problem was I was never willing to listen. So I started going to church with him three times a week. Every Saturday night, I'd stay at his house. It came the end of November, and I went to David, and I told him, I want to know the truth. What can I do? He says, get a King James Bible. Start reading in John and Romans and pray and ask God to show you when he will. And I laughed at him. I says, David, I prayed to God probably 5,000 times in my life and God has never answered one of those prayers. Why in the world is he going to answer one now? And he says, Jay, you need to pray in Jesus' name. Now, you might not understand what a difficult thing that is for a Jewish person to do. But see, I was finally in a place in my life that I wanted to know the truth. So I prayed in Jesus' name, and I started reading the Word of God. And let me tell you, that was the first prayer that God ever answered. See, he had removed that veil. It was amazing, the things that I could start to see and understand from reading the Word of God. You know, it's an amazing thing of what we can find in this book if we just want to know the truth. So I'm praying, I'm reading, I'm studying, I'm going to church three times a week. I finished reading in John and Romans. Now, you think Jewish people know the Old Testament? Well, let me tell you, it's the furthest thing from the truth. Because I was religious, I knew the first five books because of the law, and I knew Psalms because all the services are sung out of Psalms in any temple or synagogue you ever go to. But I never heard the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego being in the furnace with God. So I just decided I'm going to start reading in Genesis, I'm going to start reading in Matthew and read through the entire scripture. If you have your Bible and you'll turn with me to Matthew chapter 10. Now there's a parallel passage to this in Micah chapter 5 verses 7 through 9. I won't go there for time's sake, but in Matthew chapter 10, I come to verse 34. And it says, Think not that I have come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man at variance against his father and daughter against her mother and daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's foes are they of his own household. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. 
He that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he that taketh not up his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. See, it didn't matter in the time of Micah, in the time of Matthew, in, in 1983, and even today, if you're a, a religious Jew and you convert to another religion, your family can have a physical funeral for you. I'm talking about a full-size casket, flowers they bury in the ground, and you're dead. And if they saw you on the street, they wouldn't even acknowledge you existed. And this is what's stuck in the back of my mind every day is I'm praying and I'm reading and I'm studying the Word of God. What's more important? Having possibly any relationship with my family, anybody I grew up with, or having a personal relationship with God? Now it's the second Sunday in April, and after that Sunday morning service, Brother Gregory, the song leader, he comes outside, and he starts talking to me, and he's asking me all these questions. I knew all the answers. But see, the problem isn't what you know up here, it's what you believe in here. And that Sunday morning, I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that that thing I've been searching for for all those years, that happiness, that peace, that joy, it's not out in the world. It's having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I accepted Him as my personal Savior that Sunday morning. Sunday night, I went forward for a public profession of faith. By Wednesday night... I'm working in junior high Iwana. Thursday, I'm in visitation. Saturday, visitation. Working in ministry every Sunday. All I knew is I wanted to serve the Lord. I had no clue what the Lord wanted. I just knew I wanted to serve Him. When David asked me to read in John and Romans, I picked my life verses out of John chapter 15, starting in verse 16. It says, Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. And that whatsoever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. These things I command you, that ye love one another. Every morning I praise the Lord for my salvation. But every morning I praise the Lord for my friend David, who never gave up on me. Just think about that for a few seconds. A third grade boy, every day praying, I want to see my best friend Jane, know Jesus. And just wouldn't give up for over 13 years. See, that's the kind of love we're supposed to have. I just wanted to serve the Lord. I got involved in every ministry I possibly could, trying to figure out how the Lord wanted me to serve Him. It was the end of the summer that the Lord revealed to me He wanted me to serve Him full-time, so I sent my application off to Bible college. It came back in October, approved, and I'm leaving in December. And I was still at David's on Saturday night. I had no idea how my family was going to react. When I told my parents and my sister closest to my age, I think in the back of their mind they thought it's just one of Jay's phases. Just give him six months or a year. He'll be on to something else. But when I started trying to get them to read the Old Testament and tried to witness to them, all three told me if I want to have anything to do with them, I couldn't talk to them about God. My oldest sister wouldn't barely speak to me for over two and a half years. She wouldn't come to my wedding. Uh, my brother, he pretty much disowned me. He was too cheap to have a funeral, but he made it perfectly clear he didn't want to have anything to do with me. About three years after I was saved, he moved and he told the rest of my family not even to give me his address or his phone number where he was living. But every day, I've prayed that God would put a David in their life. Somebody who could be that witness and that testimony and that light to them that they wouldn't allow me to be. 
I went off to Bible college. I met my wife, Kathy. We got married July of 1988. And we thought that was the only time any of my family would ever hear a clear plan of salvation. And I praise the Lord they did. But Kathy and I, we, we would do anything we could to get my parents to come to church. We'd put off dedicating our children until they came to visit so they'd come to church. My oldest son, Jared, plays the piano, and my pastor would let him play Israeli music anytime my parents were in town just so they'd come to church. And I talked to my parents almost every weekend. And I can't tell you how many times, mostly my dad, occasionally my mom would tell me how proud they were of me, of the huge change they've seen in my life. And every time I tell them, it's not me, it's the Lord Jesus Christ. And one time I remember my dad vividly saying, I know, Jay, I just wish it would have been something else. See, my dad lost half his family in the Holocaust, and he was so bitter against God, he couldn't understand how a loving God could do that. But he never read the Bible. How many times did the Hebrews rebel and sin against God, and they'd lose battles? Thousands, hundreds of thousands of people died because of their disobedience. There's nothing new under the sun. Now it's February of 2002. Talked to my dad that first Friday. He told me they found out he had acute leukemia. Hospice had already come into my parents' home. They said he had about three or four months left to live. Nothing else they can do because of other health issues. And I just determined I was going to go out and share the gospel with him. I really didn't care what consequences there might be. I wanted my dad to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. My sister was going to go out that first Saturday, and I was going to go out the next Saturday. The, that next Friday night, I talked to my dad. He was in good spirits. We were kibitzing, joking around on the phone. And, and Saturday morning, my mom called me up and told me my dad passed away overnight. You know, I had a really hard time trying to understand why God wouldn't give me one more chance to try and talk to my dad. But you know, our ways aren't God's way. And God has a perfect plan. For every minute, every hour, day, year of our life, if we just be faithful and obedient to Him. So I went out, and my mom and my sister and I are sitting in the funeral hall making arrangements for my dad's funeral. And the funeral director asked my mom if she had a rabbi to perform my dad's funeral. And my mom turned to me, and she said, Jay, would you do dad's funeral? Now, my daddy's buried in a Jewish cemetery, but let me tell you, he had a Baptist funeral. And hundreds of people heard the gospel. My oldest sister and my brother refused to come to my dad's funeral. But God knew exactly what he was doing. Two years after that, my mom got Alzheimer's. She couldn't live on her own. She couldn't uh, take care of herself anymore. And at least once a year, I would try and get out and visit her and try and share the gospel with her, and she'd always cut me off. Now it's 2014. I'm sorry, 2013, I was getting a little bit better relationship with my oldest sister. It was the first time since I was saved that she invited me to her home for a holiday celebration. My brother always came, so I assumed maybe he had to be out of town or had to work, and she says, no, he'll be there. And I just kept praying that the Holy Spirit would give me an opportunity to say something. You know, there's no such thing as luck or accidents or coincidences. God has everything planned. If we just be in tune with the Holy Spirit, we'd recognize opportunity. And out of the blue, we're sitting down to eat. My nephew Adam turns to me and he says, Jay, I know you converted to being a Baptist. Now that you moved back to Israel, did you convert back to Judaism? And very emphatically, I says, no, I'm still a Baptist. 
The next year, uh, my son and I were going out to see my mom and see my sister, and we're going to go out to dinner. My brother was going to come, and we're walking to the restaurant. My sister says, your brother's not coming. He's got such lower back problems. He can't sit in a chair. He can't go to work. So we get to the restaurant. We're just sitting down, and here he walks in the door. You know, my family, they didn't agree with what changed my life, but they saw a change. And that's what people need to see. They need to see the Lord Jesus Christ. They don't need to see J. Ross. They need to see Jesus coming through me. And we're just getting ready to leave the restaurant, and my oldest sister gives me a kiss on the cheek, and she whispers in my ear, and she says, you know, you're a great dad. The problem is I'm not a great anything. I have a great Savior. That if I'm willing to be obedient and faithful to him, I can be that father and that brother, that friend. Now, my sister, she is a perfectionist. She's not one to give compliments, and I'll give you one example. She has a personalized license plate on her car that says Terminator, and it's not because she's an Arnold Schwarzenegger fan, it's because she's fired so many people at work that don't live up to her standard. (laughs) So we went to see my mom twice that week. The first time we saw her, She wasn't coherent at all. But the second time we saw her, it was truly a miracle. Her long-term, her short-term memory was perfect. So just real simply and repetitively for about 15 minutes, I shared the gospel with her. It's the first time I've been able to give her the complete gospel without her cutting me off. Afterwards, I started asking her some questions to see if she understood anything I said. And she understood everything perfectly. And I says, Mom, do you want to... Except the Lord Jesus Christ is your Messiah. No, when you pass away, you can go to heaven. And in July of 2014, she bowed her head and prayed and asked Jesus to save her. See, the problem is we give up on people. God doesn't. We do. We don't know how long we have. We don't know how long people have. But five months later, in November, she went home to be with the Lord. And turning back to the scripture in Romans 10, you know, when the Bible college I went to, the one most important thing they taught us is how to rightly divide the Word of God. You have to know who God's talking to. If He's talking to Jews, He's talking to the world, He's talking to Christians, and keeping things within context. So in verse 1 of Romans 10, we know exactly who God's talking to because he says, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. So Paul is talking about Israel. And he says, For I bear them record that they have a zeal, but not according to knowledge, for they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness and not submitting themselves unto the righteousness of God. Now if you skip down to verse Eight, or verse 6, it says, But the righteous which is of faith speaketh on this wise, saying, Not in thine heart, who shall ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above, or who shall descend into the deep, that is to bring up Christ again from the dead. But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth, and in thine heart, that is a word of faith which we preach. He's talking to the Jews. He's talking to the Pharisees. It's always been by faith, but they're talking about works. (laughs) 
And it's and if you turn back with me to Matthew chapter fourteen. Because we're talking about the Pharisees. Jesus was extremely sarcastic with the Pharisees. And I'm going to share this example with you. I'm sorry, it's in Matthew 15. So in Matthew 15, starting in verse 1, it says, Then came to Jesus scribes and Pharisees, which were of Jerusalem, saying, Why did the disciples transgress the traditions of the elders? For they wash not their hands before they eat bread. Now just think in the scheme of things, of all the things you can complain about, this is the best the Pharisees can do, that they're not washing their hands before they eat, which is a tradition. And let's see the comparison that Jesus gives the Pharisees. In verse 3, But he answered and said unto them, Why do ye also transgress the commandments of God by your tradition? For God commanded, saying, Honor thy father and thy mother, and he that curseth father and mother, let him die the death. But ye say, Whosoever shall say to his father or his mother, It is a gift by whatsoever thou mightest be prospered by me, and honor not his father or his mother, ye shall be free. Thus have you made the commandments of God of none effect by your tradition. You know, there's nothing wrong with having traditions, but traditions don't rise to doctrine. And that's a big problem I think we have in churches today is we're not teaching the doctrines of the Bible and more the traditions of men become doctrine. So we have to really be careful in how we rightly divide. In verse 7 he says, Ye hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy of you, saying, This people draw nigh unto me with their mouth, and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain they do worship me, teaching for the doctrines of the commandments of men. If you turn back to, to Romans, we can see sort of that same phrasing in verse 8. But it says, But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thine heart. That is a word of faith which we preach. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God had raised him from the dead, Thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And he's talking to the Jews because for a Jewish person at that time to confess the Lord Jesus Christ as their Messiah, you're telling everybody you know that my family, my friends, my neighbors, the traditions that you keep, have no importance in my life compared to me confessing that Jesus Christ was the Messiah. So you're going to be ostracized, you're going to be, uh, probably have no relationship with your family. So, so there's nothing new under the sun, just like what I talked about in Matthew. A man's foes are they of his own household. Jesus did more miracles in Capernaum than any other place, and that's where people knew him best. Family is the hardest people to reach. But again, God blesses us. He blessed me with, with more brothers and sisters in Christ than my own family. I, I have no regrets at all for accepting Jesus as my Savior. I just pray that someone could be there and be that David for my family that they won't allow me to be. 
In verse 10, For with the heart man believeth on the righteousness, and with the mouth salvation, <coughs> with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, Whosoever shall believe on him shall not be ashamed. For there's no difference between the Jew and the Greek, and the same Lord over all is rich to all that call upon his name. See, we shouldn't be ashamed of our gospel. We shouldn't be ashamed of our relationship with Christ. We shouldn't be ashamed of those things because that's the greatest thing we can have is our testimony of what God's done in our life to show people who He is. In Proverbs 20, verse 6, it says, Most man will proclaim everyone his own goodness, but a faithful man who can find. That's all God wants. God wants people to be faithful. And it's not how you start the race, it's how you end the race. You know, when I first got saved, I had a lot of zeal. I didn't have a lot of wisdom or knowledge. And when I first got called to preach, I might have 10 or 15 pages of notes and I'd be done in 10 or 15 minutes. And now I just try and obey the Holy Spirit. And I I just let Him work through me instead of me trying to to work through a paper or what I think. You know, I, I don't know what God has for each and every person here. But God says He can count the hairs on our head. Now, I'm 63, so it's a lot easier for him to count now than it used to be. But God knows exactly what each and every one of you, what he wants for your life. And if you're willing to submit to the gifts that God's given you, and I think when my sister said that I was a good father, it's because my parents, their generation, expected us all to be the same. But my, my oldest son is, is amazing with computers. He built his own computers when he was a teenager. He works in the IT department at the hospital. And I tell all our kids that if you just use the God-given abilities you have, God will give you and furnish you with whatever else you need for your ministry. My daughter Shane has been playing the viola since she's three years old. God has given her a special gift. Seth, it's, it's a humility and a... And a physical ability and talent that, that he's, he's probably the number one fast pitch pitcher uh, in Israel and probably in the top two or three in Europe. He got a scholarship for university to help manage the women's team. But he, he's, he, he will never be proudful because he knows that gift is from God. And Levi, again, it's just amazing the love that he has. And God has given each of them different abilities and talents. And if you would have known me growing up, it would, it would blow your mind that I'm standing here because I hated being in front of people. If there was a play at school, I would rather do uh, lights. I'd rather do stagecraft. I would rather clean toilets and stand up in front of people. But, you know, when we accept the Lord Jesus Christ, we're a new creature. All those things fall away. Everything becomes new. And I just use the abilities and talents that God's given me. You know, God gave me a gift. It's just something small. And that, I was born in a Jewish home. And because of that small gift, I can do something that 99.9% of other believers can't do. I can immigrate to Israel. I can have dual citizenship. And I can have freedom to minister that most people will never have. In the 16 years we've been there, we've seen over 25 families come and go because they have no way to stay. 
Now, how can I not use that gift for Jesus Christ? And I not, might not be the greatest orator or the greatest preacher, or the greatest teacher, but I'm just willing to use what God's given me to serve him where he's called me to. And that's all he wants to do in all of our lives, to be faithful. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you for watching the message today. We invite you to join us again every Sunday and Wednesday for more inspiring messages from God's Word.